Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 555 for July 14th, 2018. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchatz with Programming by Stealth Installment 58 of X. Are we going to have some fun today, Bart? I Okay, I really think we are. And I hope I'm not putting way, way too much, too high of expectations. But to me, this is the point where Bootstrap just goes from being, oh, this is fun to, oh, wow. So that's how half the internet works. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I had so much fun with the homework. I just, I love this. I kind of worried that I waited too long. Like, oh man, maybe this will be hard. But once I started working on it, uh, I I really, really liked it. I, I found it easier to, well, the first thing I did, of course, just mm-hmm. like I said last time, was I draw a diag- I drew a diagram. I drew a diagram of yours as I read your code to understand what it was doing. And then I drew a yeah. diagram of what I wanted for mine. And then I built the structure piece by piece and then p- went over and got the elements from the old code. That seems very sensible. So basically build the scaffold and then treat each of the chunks of your original as a little atom and just plop them into the relevant bits of your scaffold. That I, I can see yeah. that working very well. I found it, it helped me out so I didn't have a bunch of like W50s and MT3s and things laying around that were left over from before and causing would cause problems. And so uh, yeah. it, it was real clean for me. And I got to say, I've said a lot of times how much Dorothy helps me with my homework. I've been helping her with her homework. And you have no idea how happy it makes me to give back to her after how much work she's done for me. So hey, I'm excited. That, that's how it works, right? You pay it forward when you can. And then mm-hmm. you... You know, you, you take help from the community when you need it. There you go. I think that's how communism works, but it can be a good thing. <laughs> or community gardens. We'll go with that. Yeah, well, that's communism too, right? Not all communism <laughs> involves totalitarian government and killing millions of people. <laughs> all right, let's dig in. Is it Homer Simpson who said, you know, in theory, communism works? Anyway, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm just opening up your recipe to have a quick look, because although you sent it to me days ago, I didn't even have time to look. So now... Oh. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm seeing lots of layout going on here. Lots and lots of layout. Cool. Yes, it's it's absolutely stunning. It is it is pretty much the best popcorn recipe anybody has ever put together in Bootstrap. I'm liking your table. Yeah? Yeah, no, the, the, the success the, the nice subtle success for the for the for the for the header is nice. Mm-hmm. And I got my uh instructions uh uh unordered or ordered list to wrap nicely around it. Yeah, it's looking good. And I got my uh, um, I got my logo and my podfeet and the podfeet.com to work down at the bottom to get them centered, which was you know more work than it should be, but I finally cracked the code on that. It's um, a full row as a footer tag, is it? Uh, I think so. I think so. It's been a it's been a few days, so I mm. don't remember. It's so your podfeet are in a footer tag. I like it. Yeah. Why not? Huh? Yeah. They look like feet. Well, they are feet. <laughs> oh, footer feet. I get it. <laughs> there we go. Popcorn is not just for breakfast. When was popcorn ever for breakfast? <laughs> I cut you off. What he, I cut him off. What I was saying in my uh, my block quote is: "Popcorn is not just for breakfast anymore." Allison Sheridan. It's just a silly saying. But did you eat it for breakfast as a kid? Did I did I miss some sort oh, of I big just fad eat it all the time? I, I I ate it twice yesterday. I eat it. I I have become quite the popcorn addict. Good. Uh, it's, I, I did learn something important. Oh, I should put that in my recipe. I found out that popcorn, so regular corn, like uh, you would get in a can or get frozen or, or mm-hmm. corn on the cob, is a vegetable, but popcorn is a grain. And it is a whole grain. 
So it's like super good for you from a cholesterol perspective. And since I cook it with olive oil, it's all good all the time. I just realized, so I buy popcorn and says whole grain. You're telling me it's all whole grain. And now that I think about it even vaguely logically, of course it's all whole grain. If they cut it in half, it would never pop. (laughs) Right. But bloody marketers. since you eat the husk and everything, it's you're eating the whole grain when you eat popcorn because yeah, none of it popcorn. is gone, right? Yeah, yeah, so it's all whole grain. So that marketing, which completely worked on me, girl. If you look at fruit, it also says uh, gluten free on it. Oh yeah, so well, I think that's actually a slight help because a lot of people don't understand what gluten is or where it comes from, and they get very worried if it doesn't explicitly say it's okay for them. Yeah. Yeah. So I can sort of, and it does make more like, because uh, my hobby is a celiac, which means he, he's not just gluten intolerant in a fad. He, he He's like really ill if he eats any at all, because it's a, it's an autoimmune thing. So it's any amount mm. at all, like an allergy. And so I'm always shopping gluten free. And when it just says it in giant big writing on the front of the packet, even if it's silly for it to say it, oh, it just makes <laughs> my life so much easier. Oh, well, okay, good, good. Because remember that when you have celiac, it's about contamination. So if it's made in the same factory as something that has wheat in it. Oh, wow. Yikes. So that, yeah, so even stuff that doesn't contain gluten, we'll, we have to look out for the may contain traces of oh, warnings. Geez. Yeah. Okay, well, you know what? Anyway. We're, we're stealing from your recipe podcast, uh, your cooking podcast, so we should get back to Bootstrap. Oh, actually, I have a... <laughs> This is this is a this is a tangent. Forgive me, but I I want to make use of the fact that the Nasilla castaways are geniuses all. Oh, so if you like take an egg, you mush it together, you mix it all up, you fry it, and then when it's done at the when it's done at the bottom and you fold it over, that's called an omelet, right? So it's right. sticky at the top and you fold it over, and then it's an omelet. What right. do you call it if you do all the same stuff, but instead of folding it over, you shove it under the grill to cook the other side? What is that called? Scrambled flat eggs. <laughs> right, but it's not scrambled because you, as soon as you pour it in the pan, you leave it alone. You know, you, you treat it like an omelet until the point where you'd fold the omelet, but instead, like grill oh, the top. See, I always considered the scrambling was the fact that you break the yolk and the white up and mix it up with a whisk. Are you huh. uh, you're interpreting scrambling as being the actual chopping it up with the uh, spatula part? Yeah. So Maybe if I'm doing scrambled eggs, I do something. it like a stir fry, so it never stops moving. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I'm well, hoping that a silicastoys would have an answer to us. Okay, I don't know that a frittata, how you bake the, how you cook the second side changes what it is, though. Well, I called it an omelette when I described it to someone, and they went, well, that's not an omelette. And I, was like, I couldn't argue with them because I have no idea what the definition is. So <laughs> if any of the Nocilla castaways can shed some light, and maybe the answer is, Bart, it's an omelette, tell the other person they're being silly, in which case, fine by me, I'll call it an omelette. But I'm just, I'm just curious, because I have a really, really nice recipe I want to share with someone. And if I can, I'd like to use the right name. Well, Linda Decker would know. That's a good point. I haven't emailed Linda in ages. I must ask Linda. Okay, anyway, so let's let's bootstrap some stuff here. (laughs) Um, So I always say in our homework that, you know, there's no such thing as a single right solution. But I think I should probably triple quadruple underline that because since all of us have a different starting point for each of the last few challenges, it's inevitable that our ending points are going to be wildly and completely different to each other. So my sample solution from today is like the ultimate expression of the fact that there's, you know, Think of this as a worked example, not a sample solution, because yeah. we didn't even do the same problem as each other, you know. And I, and I mean we in the very, very general sense. Yeah, so, you know. In fact, you probably didn't need to do one because you built one at the end of the last episode 
which was the model that I used to to think about what I wanted to do for mine. Yeah, the thing is, my recipe is a different shape to my uh, my data on the last Irish referendum, so I actually did have oh, to do quite a bit. Oh, you did? Okay, good. Oh, yeah, no, I still had homework to do, lots of homework. <laughs> yeah, I was slightly cheating in the sense that I know what the next lot of homework is, so I made sure to do my homework in such a way that I wouldn't have much trouble next time. But that's <laughs> mild cheating. Yeah, mildly. All right. Mildly. Anyway, so what I chose to do was to take my big display heading and my lead paragraph description and decided to name both of those together as the heading content of the document. So I wrapped a header tag around them, the nice HTML5 semantic tag. And then I decided to turn that header into a row. And then I decided to put the uh, description next to the display heading, only nice and narrow. So I basically made it into like a subheadline that's sitting to the right of the main headline. Um, and I made it just three wide. So the the big display header gets nine, and then the little sort of one-sentence description gets three. And it actually, I think it looks quite good. Yeah. And then because my entire header is now one giant big container, I was able to keep my sticky top because I made the entire container a sticky top. And I think you run into an issue, you can't just pluck a single row out of a container and make that row behave like a sticky top because that's... That's sort of not that. Basically, the the sticky top bootstrap class and the row bootstrap class are not compatible with each other. So, so they, it, I don't it doesn't think work. You're right, Bart. Your sticky uh, top is not sticky topping. Uh, it is. Did you download the show notes before I did a fix about three minutes ago or after? I did it about an hour ago. Oh yeah, then it's wrong uh, because I managed okay, to dokey. I managed to do it right, <laughs> not hit save, create the zip file, and then hit save. Ah, And strangely enough, the zip file didn't magically update itself. Really? That's odd. Isn't it? Okay, so uh, maybe you should talk about what you did wrong and then right. Yeah, so the only typo in what you have then, right, is very, very quick to fix. If you look at the code you have for my solution, the sticky top is in the row. So if you take sticky minus top from the row and pop it into the tag just above it with header header class class equals container, and plop it in there instead, it will jump into life. Ah... I see. Okay, so you had it in a row. And now explain why having the sticky top uh, in the container didn't work. Because you told me why, but tell everybody else why that doesn't work. Yeah, so that description I gave you is factually wrong. So I now went and checked the right answer before I typed what I said to you into the show notes. So I thought it was... Oh, no, because I memorized that, Bart. (sighs) Well, it's very, very similar. It's not the display property that's incompatible. It's the position property that's incompatible. Well, don't tell them the wrong thing. So the position property. Yeah, so all of these bootstrap classes, they just have CSS definitions under the hood, right? They're just boots... They're just... It's just CSS under the hood, but it's CSS someone else has written. But in order for it to be a sticky top, it has to have position colon sticky, and in order for it to be in a flex box, I think it has to be. I think it has to be position, probably position normal, and it can't be both. Basically, it can't have two positions at the same time. So one of the two bootstrap classes, basically, there's two bootstrap classes specifying a different value for the same CSS property. One of them will have a higher specificity than the other. Therefore, one of them will win. So it will either be a row or it will be a sticky top. And it appears that rowness trumps stickiness. But either way, the two classes are fighting over the one CSS property. One of them has to win because that's how CSS works. You know, that's the C in cascading style sheets. Yeah. It isn't, but. 
Okay, you know so I, mean? I, I like this solution better because when, when we talked earlier, you said it couldn't be inside of a container, and that meant I had everything all in these nice little containers and their rows and their grids, and my whole document was all clean and nice, and in the middle of it was plopped this sticky top just sitting by itself, and it just really felt empty. Yeah, it can't be in a container, but it can be a whole container. It can be a whole... Oh, so you're saying the... So, so in my case, the, you gave the header the class container and sticky top, and that meant that whole header is now sticky top. Yes, and is a container. Oh, yes. okay. What you can't do is pluck a single row or a single call out of your container and make it behave sticky. So either the whole container is sticky, okay. or none of it is sticky. I guess that makes kind of makes sense. How would you have? Imagine you had a row with the thing on the left wasn't sticky and the thing on the right was sticky. It'd be that weird, work. right? Yeah, so that that makes a certain amount of sense. Okay, I am yeah, so, I am pleased with that answer. Yeah, sanity has returned, which is all good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the next thing I did then is I decided that my main content um, should go into a separate container under that, and I decided that my main content consisted of my instructions, my ingredients, and my did you know. And I pop the ingredients of the did you know into a little sidebar, and then I have my instructions, and then I decided that my figure should be floated to the right. And that sort of looks half decent. And then to round everything off, I actually, sorry, the, I also included in my main content the required equipment and the glossary. And so I did it in two rows, one row with a, with a narrow sidebar and a wide main area. And then the next row has two equal width columns, one for the equipment and one for the glossary. Yeah. Somehow your, your required equipment doesn't look quite right. Like the, uh, the oven proof dish, it's taking up more space than the other ones. Yeah, I should probably throw an explicit B or after the H there. That would probably clean it up a bit. So you think it's missing a, a break, you're saying, at the end of that line? You don't think it... I mean, it actually looks like it's being allowed more space than the other ones. Well, they're all being spaced automatically, so basically they're squashing into each other when they can. If I gave them all explicit widths, that wouldn't happen. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know if I'm buying that, just that answer there, Bert. Why would That's correct. one of them... Why, well... I'm challenging if I explicitly the hang on if you why would some of them get one width and the other one get a different width if they're all told to float to the same but they're not being told to float they're being told to be a flex or box and they're being flex. told to be a flex box without any specification of width so the flex box is doing its best I've told it nothing I haven't told it make these be the same width I've just told it make these all be on the same row and they haven't got enough room so the flex box is flexing if I had said to it, keep them the same width, which I could do with Flexbox, I don't remember off the top of my head exactly how, but you can do it with Flexboxes. But because my Flexbox has no instructions on what to do if there isn't enough room, it's basically defaulting to, well, you need more space, than, and I have extra space I can seal from these guys without squishing them up. So it does. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how it's deciding, and I just figured it out. So I changed the order to see if it was the one at the end of the row, and that's not what causes it. I moved your your oven-proof dish out before the spoon. Mm -hmm. It's the amount of text you have. Yes, exactly. It's basically, that is the biggest one. Even though it's not breaking it, it could break it narrower and be narrower. It's choosing to break it at an odd spot. That's, That's weird. Yeah, but if, as I say, if I were to go look up the docs and find out what the class is I should give them to make them all be the same width, then it would break Then it would break the text at the point to make them all be the same width, which I'll probably do by the mm. time we look at my sample solution next week. Yeah. I just put a break in between oven-proof dish and glass or ceramic, and now they're all the same width, but they are kind of smashed a bit. 
Yeah, there's not quite enough room. I should probably shrink the size of the icons and shrink the size of the text. Ah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's all for next week. Because we will be, shock and or horror, we will be continuing to tinker with this for our next assignment. Oh, but since you're using Font Awesome and you had Font Awesome 5X on each one, I was just able to make them Font Awesome 3X and now they fit much more nicely. Ah, excellent. That saves me experimenting. 3X it will be. <laughs> A little bit cramped, but still works. It's the text that gets cramped. Yeah, so I'll, I'll resize the text. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of all there is to say, really. Um, okay. I made use of the um, the semantically correct HTML5 tags, so header and main. I don't have a footer. If I did, I would have used the footer tag. And the sticky top is the only slight little gotcha. And we've already talked about that. So really, you know, uh, what I put in the show notes is the HTML with all of the content taken out. So it gives you a view of the structure of my document without getting lost with all the, 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 the um, text. And you'll find the complete solution sitting in the zip file for the installment in the folder named PBS 57 Challenge Solution, which I thought was a sensible name. Oh, you'll be glad to know when I built my structure, when I built my scaffolding, as you say, I commented Mm -hmm. the crud out of it. Yay. (laughs) Every single, every open, every close, every open, every close, if there was, because that way when I was reading it, I was able to go, okay, this is where I might start doing that on every div I ever build, because I'm always losing the other one. It can be very helpful, yeah. Particularly with as you get more complex structures on your pages, definitely, yeah. It's, or, or as you insert something into another thing, and then you're going, okay, wait a minute, whose div close was that? Is that this one yeah. or that one? And embedded, yeah. And, yeah. Oh, I also made um, extreme use of the W3 validator, validator.w3.org. So once I got it done, I ran it through that, found a couple of mistakes, cleaned it up, and I got a, a green light, so I knew I was good to go. That is extremely good practice. Yep. I feel good about it. Excellent. Okay, so... this week. (laughs) Yes, have a gold star. (laughs) So today's topic is all about um, making your bootstrap layouts adjust to how much width there is available to them. So I explicitly said when you were doing your homework to make it look good on a typical desktop or laptop screen. And the reason I said that is because I haven't taught you how to make it look good on all possible sizes of screen, but that is literally Mm. everything we're going to talk about today. So it's called responsive design. So you've probably seen these websites where if you go to the same website on a mobile phone, it lays things out one way, and then you go onto it on a tablet, and it lays it out another way, and you go onto it on a desktop, and it lays it out yet another way. Right. And you can usually, well, you, you can simulate this on a desktop by taking the edge of your browser window and shrinking it and shrinking it and shrinking it, and you'll watch the page adjust itself. You know, as you become the width of a tablet, it will go, it will jump to a tablet layout, and as you shrink even further, it'll jump to another layout. And so because it changes depending on the width, that's called responsive design. Mm-hmm. And Bootstrap is designed from the ground up to be responsive. That is one of the problems it was designed to solve. And I've just been avoiding that reality because I didn't think it was a good idea to introduce it too early in the process. But now today, it's time to to reveal that truth to you. So in Bootstrap world, now this is arbitrary, right? This is not some sort of standard. You, You can do responsive design with any minimum sizes you care to imagine. Right, so if you were writing your own CSS from scratch without using Bootstrap, you could make a world where there are only two sizes: everything smaller than one hundred two four and everything bigger than one hundred two four. Or you could make a world where there are a hundred sizes. You know, where every ten pixels is treated differently. I mean, it would be silly, but you could. 
Bootstrap has gone for a sensible amount of sizes, five. Huh, okay. And they have given them sensible names. Extra small, small, medium, large, and extra large. So basically Hmm. like clothes. (laughs) Only not American clothes, because there's no XL, XXL, or XXXXXL. (laughs) When I was a kid, they didn't exist either. Um, You know, women's clothes don't do that. We have things like nine, which is in a different... The even numbers and the odd numbers are different than... They overlap each other, but they're different. Well, the one that gets me is a size zero, because to me, a size zero shouldn't exist. It should just be a piece of nothing. It should be a vacuum. (laughs) There's actually double zero. Oh, come on. (laughs) That's the same thing. I know double zero. Okay. They should make infinity then. (laughs) Right. And double infinity, which is bigger. Anyway. Okay. So XS for extra small is philosophically designed to be a cell phone in portrait orientation. So these breakpoints are all done based on width. So it's the width of the viewport. So the width of the window slash screen is what determines which which size range is in operation. So the smallest one, XS, is intended for cell phones in portrait orientation. So that is the narrowest screen we come across in our day-to-day lives. Okay. S is for cell phones in landscape orientation, which is obviously Hmm. wider because our cell phones are taller than they are wide. So if you put them sideways, then they're wider than they are tall. MD is for tablets in any orientation. LG is... I was just going to say, how do they look at a cell phone and declare it to be the same as any other cell phone? Since well, it's not got, okay, say, everything from philosophical. the 5S up this to is... the to the uh, Galaxy S9. Okay, it's philosophical. So the actual answer is less than five hundred and seventy six pixels. Hmm. Okay. So the actual implementation, the breakpoint is at five hundred and seventy six pixels. The next breakpoint is at 768 pixels, the next breakpoint at 992, and the final breakpoint at 1,200 pixels. So they just picked them. Right. So they are philosophical, right? They are ways yeah. of thinking about it. They're not absolute rules. The absolute rule is 576, 768, 992, and 1200. But I'll be honest, I'm not remembering those. I'm reading them off show notes. And you don't <laughs> need to remember them. Okay. It just helps to know vaguely what they're sort of intended for. The next right. size up is your typical computer. So your laptop or desktop. And then the final size is a, you know, a computer with a wide screen. So anything more than 1,200 pixels across. And so that's your, your XS, your SM, your MD, your LG, and your XL. Hmm. Okay. Now, XS, so extra small, actually covers all screen widths bigger than a minimum width of zero pixels. So XS actually covers everything. And XS is implied. When, we're do- when we have been using the bootstrap grid, we have been using XS. Because hmm. XS is the implicit. If you don't specify one of the other four, then you are actually working in XS. SM covers everything from 576 pixels and up. MD covers everything from 768 and up. And so you'll see I've done a little graph of it in the show notes, a little picture. Um, So extra small is at the bottom and it covers all the sizes. And then small covers all but one and medium covers all but two and large covers all. Interesting. Right? They're little step pyramid, basically, or little steps. 
Okay. So that sounds really weird, except that I'm now going to tell you that Bootstrap has been engineered so that the specificity of the classes goes the other way. Oh, that makes so sense. Extra large is the most specific, but it covers the least range. Then so if large. If you declare XS, you're saying only do this to extra, or I'm sorry, XL. Yeah. Only exactly. do this to XL things. Exactly. So I'm telling you now that we have been using XS all along without knowing it, which means that by not using any of the other classes, well, XS covers everything. Ah, right, right, right. So all we have to do now to make our tablets behave better is to start using MD. And as soon as the screen is wide enough to meet MD, then it is more specific than XS, and so it will start to win once the screen gets to that width. And if we widen the screen more, then LG begins to win. And if we widen the screen even more, then XL begins to win. So that's how it works. Okay. That is the magic of how the breakpoints work. And understanding that is kind of the single most difficult thing to get your head around today. It's all easy from there. (laughs) Okay. That wasn't too bad. I think your graphic really helps. Yeah, the graphic came there because my words weren't doing it. (laughs) My words ended up with the paragraph, this probably sounds quite confusing and complicated, but don't worry, once you see it in action, it should make a lot more sense. And that just made my brain go, maybe I need a picture. So I drew a picture. Right. Uh, I'm now going to give you two guidelines. And I am stressing the word guideline. These are not rules. These are not laws. These are not thou shalt. These are, you'll probably have an easier life if you generally do. Okay. Right. They are philosophies, not rules. So Bootstrap is designed, so the people working on Bootstrap, their design philosophy when they wrote Bootstrap was mobile first. So the way they wrote all the classes is that you, is that they believe the right way to build a web page is to make it look good on the smallest possible screen and then work on making it work on the other screens. And therefore, if you're using Bootstrap and you work the same way that they were thinking, you will probably do less swearing. Because you're okay. working the way the tool was designed to be used. So okay. s- start by making it work on the smaller screens and then use the responsive features we're going to learn about today to make it also work on the bigger screens. Not an absolute rule, but it is a good guideline. It's what the documentation suggests and it's what I've generally found to result in less crankiness. So. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, the second rule, which is also numbered one because I can't count... Um, <laughs> I'll fix that in the show notes. Okay. You should, as a general rule, order... The the HTML of your page should be, make semantic sense. Your footer shouldn't be in the top of your HTML, followed by your sidebar, followed by your main content, followed by something else, right? As you read through the HTML, it should be... It, it should go in a sensible order, because if you're a search engine... It needs to make sense to you because you're not going to see how it's laid out, right? The visual layout is completely independent of the order stuff appears in your HTML. You can. I have one complaint with that, though, is that the caption visually is at the end of a table, but you have to put it at the top of the table. And that's a rule in HTML, so that's not even being semantic, that's being syntactic. It's being stupid. (laughs) Nah, I didn't write the rules. I'm just telling you. Okay, but you can't order them semantically. Okay, but you can order where the table comes semantically. Right, but you can't you can't order the the uh, well, I suppose caption is not semantic. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, the caption well, is, is semantically sort of... part of the table. Right, but it's not semantically location. No. 
It's not so, like it's not called table footer. Yeah. A good way to think about this is imagine you're using a text only browser like Lynx, or imagine that CSS has vanished from planet Earth and you have to just look at the the raw HTML like like we did in the eighties. If your page makes sense in a world without CSS, you've done it right. If your page looks stupid in a world without CSS, you've done it wrong. Hmm. Okay. And a lot of assistive devices live in a CSS-free world, so that's how it will look to many assistive devices. And a search engine's crawler bot is definitely going to see the world in that sort of a, you know, I read the HTML source and it tells me what's what, because it's semant- it's supposed to be semantic. That's the job of HTML. So as a general rule, you should order your HTML in a sane and sensible way so that if there was no such thing as CSS, your page would still make sense. Again, guideline, not rule, and think mobile first. So they're the way I'd like you, or they are the ways I recommend people think about these things because it will probably make things go better for you. But they're just guidelines. Okay, Okay, so let's jump in now and let's apply our five breakpoints, as they're called. So because there's like a, a discontinuity when you move from, from XS to S to SM, it's called a breakpoint because the layout snaps from one state into another instantaneously when you cross a one pixel boundary. So they're called breakpoints. Okay. So let us apply our breakpoints to the bootstrap grid. Um, so I have told you that every... Every time you do a column, the CSS classes all start with the three letters call. And so we learned that call on its own just means an automatically withed column. Call one means a width of one twelfth. Call two means a width of two twelfths, and so on and so forth. And we have, without knowing it, been using the XS breakpoint. Right. There exist very, very similar looking classes which have stuck into the middle of them the name of the breakpoint. So call dash four is four wide always. Call dash MD dash four is four wide for medium and up. Hmm. Call dash SM one is small width of one. And up. And uh, yeah, so basically apply the SM class. And then if there is also an MD class, then it will win for the larger screens. So the same column will have multiple call classes. So first you'll have your one for XS, which is your default. And then if you want the column to behave differently on different size screens, you add more classes. So you you may only want three different ones. So you may have your default one, which is XS. And then you might, so you might say call dash 12. So on a phone, make it full width. Then call dash MD dash six, which means that when you're on a tablet and bigger, it becomes six wide. And then you might say on the next one, you might also say call dash XL three, and then it would become three wide when screens got really, really big. So that same column will have different widths depending on what's happening. Yeah, I'm going to have to see this in action. To, to, good, to we we are, we are we are millimeters away from a worked example. Okay. Um, the last thing I want to remind you of is I told you last time that it's okay for a row to contain more than 12 because it will wrap. Yes? Yeah, and I didn't like that. You're about to love it because without that, this wouldn't work. So we're going to use as a starting point a very, very common uh, typical page layout. So you can see it in pbs58a.html, but it's a single container which contains a single row 
which contains three columns, and they're just class call. So three equal width columns. Okay. Very, I'm very standard layout, right? I can figure it out, yeah. Uh, so if you, yeah. Now let's make that behave in a sane and sensible way. So call just means, it implicitly means the XS, but it means make it automatic width. Let us now say that on phones, on small screens, we want this to always be three full width columns stacked on top of each other. Because on a phone, we just couldn't fit any content to those three next to each other columns. Okay. So now we say, instead of saying call, we say call dash 12. Which means and that... And why is that again? Because 12 that, is I, full width. Right, so we want I, it to I, be full width on a that, phone. Okay. I never got that before. When So sometimes you say call and sometimes you say call 12. And it seems to me they do the exact same thing. You think they do the exact same thing. So in Code Runner, they changed those calls to call dash 12. And you'll see they don't do exactly the same thing. I'll explain why in a minute. But just if you type it first, you'll see. Um, okay. Do I have to change all three of them? Yes. Okay. So, it, all right. But I thought you told us what this meant, and... Okay. Okay, so, so what did I they, say call 12 meant? 12 columns, it takes up all 12 columns. Okay, so call... So they should now have... You should now have three rows. Oh. But, no, I only have one row. Okay, no, no, okay, visually, visually. <laughs> visually, you should see three above vertically each other. stacked. Yes, because they've wrapped. So call means automatically adjust so that each so that the three together fit into okay. 12. So and by the way, words, the three together he's talking about are divs. So we've got three divs and they're all called 12. That means all three of them have taken up the entire uh, width of 12 columns. And now they've wrapped. So we have, we literally have 36 columns wide. Right, which is three rows. Which means it has to be three, well, three twelve stacked on top of each other. Three visual rows, (laughs) one semantic row. Okay, okay, good, good. That was a good example. And that's called collapsing. So we have collapsed the the, the row, we collapsed the three columns into three rows, is how we would describe that when we were talking about this kind of a layout. So the reason we would do that is because on a phone, there just isn't room for three columns, right? That just doesn't make sense. So we're saying that by default, you're, each of you is full width because XS is the default. So great, we now have three equal width columns. But wait, oh, wait, so we are, uh, are we going, f- I'm a little confused. Okay, uh, so scroll back up to my diagram. Ha- so hang, XS- hang on, hang on. Let me ask a question before you tell me the answer. Um, we were looking at your first example of PBS 58A, and yes. in there it just says call, but you had me manually change it to call-12. Yes, and I'm going to make you and, manually make a few more changes. So we work Oh, I'm supposed to keep example. that. I thought you were just doing that because I asked a question. I'm supposed to keep nope. that. You're supposed to keep to that, and then when we're finished, okay. we'll arrive at what is available to download. The finished product will be B, but we're going to work from A to B ourselves. Ah, now I know what we're doing. Okay, all right, now I'm caught up. Okay. So we now have something which will make which will work sensibly on teeny tiny screens, right? Because on a teeny tiny mm-hmm. screen, we want them all to be full width because otherwise we just couldn't read anything. It was like, and new line today, new line is new line the 12th, <laughs> right? So we're saying, no, no, be full width on your tiniest devices. So mobile first. So we're, we're thinking in line with the proper philosophy. Uh, but if we look at this layout now on a tablet, it looks very, very silly. I mean, all this space 
wasted as we just have these things stacked on top of each other. So let's let's say that on the medium break point, we want to do something else, but we don't. There's not quite enough room to have all three next to each other. But why don't we have one row of two and one row of one? So let's just say that we will make the. Um, what did I say in the show notes? It doesn't really matter which, but let's keep the first one at call-12, leave it alone, and the last two we'll say call-md-6. Oh, I did it to the first two. Okay, same thing. There, but no, that's okay. I'm going to do it the same way. I'm j- I was just all proud of myself for following what you were doing. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so now what we're looking at is the first one goes all the way across and the other two each have a row. Now, take your browser window or your code runner window and shrink it so that you're down to a very narrow phone-like screen and they will be stacked vertically three high. And now as you begin to move out, you'll hit a magic point where you go above the 500 and whatever pixels and it will jump to become all of a sudden But even on a 5K display, I can't make it be the three in a row yet. You can't because we haven't specified it anymore. Yes. Yeah. No, I understand why. I'm just stating why. Yes. Okay. So the next breakpoint we'd like to do, so this looks fine now on phones and tablets, but on desktops, this now looks very silly. So on desktops, I want a three-column layout. So for our call-lg, for large columns, we want three equal columns. So that means we want the automatic, but we want automatic width, but only for large and up. So the class for that is call-lg without any numbers, which is equivalent to call without any numbers, but only for large screens and up. Does that make sense? Um, no, because large screens are XLs. No, no, large LG, LG is the fourth of five. Okay, so it's, it's not large desktops, it's laptops. I'm looking at the words you used. Yeah, so laptop and desktop are LG large. Right, but you have large written to de- next to desktop, so that's what confused me. Yeah, so, it also includes desktop, right? Laptop slash desktop. They are, they're both... No, no, no. I'm looking at the far right di- picture. You've got a picture of a desktop, and it says large desktop above it. So I saw that as yes. large. But that's XL desktop. Uh, what's well, XL? So the, the class XL is for large desktops. Yeah, I, I didn't make these up. They're not my inventions. I'm, so I'm just using the I was confused. Now I'm caught up. Now what am I supposed to be doing? So I'm supposed to say call dash LG? On all three. Because if you don't specify a number, you're saying equally divide this among 12. So for large screens, for LG, we want all three to be of equal width. So we're just saying call dash LG, call dash LG, call dash LG. So logically, why is that the one that floats and not the XL? Uh, because I haven't told it what to do with it. Okay, the LG covers large and XL. I understand that. But because I want to I do something different the one for that XL. You don't have to, if you don't have to put the number in, then I would think you said, could I have said call-md without anything next to it? What would well, that, that would have, have said that you wanted to equally divide all of your columns. So On if you don't put screen. a number, it means okay. automatically subtract from 12. Okay, okay, good. I thought... It was something magic about LG didn't have to have a, a number next to it. Got you. No. The magic You're is you want to equally divide. Okay. Gotcha. But we only want to equally divide for large and up. So that's why the LG comes in. I got you. Okay. So if you put the... So call dash LG onto all three, then mm-hmm. when you make your screen wide enough, you should get three columns. Yep. And they're three equal width columns. Yeah. Now, I don't know if your laptop is wide enough to continue to play along, but it might be. 
It's um, actually really hard to not have a laptop that's as bigger than XL. Okay, good. Good, good. Because that makes life okay. easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what I want to do then for the very largest size is, do you know something? Three equal columns is wasteful. I want the middle one to be bigger. So for very large screens, I'm going to say that the outer ones, so the left extreme and the right extreme, should never should go to three. So I'm going to give just those two the class col-xl-3. Okay. And then they'll be pinned at three when you get to really big screens, and the middle one will adjust itself to take up the slack. Hmm. Yeah, okay. So you now have, if you take the edge of your window, you can start wide, and we have two sidebars that are narrower than the middle content region, and then you begin to shrink, and they become three equal width columns. And mm-hmm. then you shrink some more, and we get two and one, and you shrink some more, and you get three three stacked on top of each other. That's really fun. I like that. Well, as my show notes say, welcome to the world of responsive design. And that is how the internet works, right? The modern internet is like this everywhere you go. And Bootstrap just makes it easier. It isn't required to do this. Exactly. So you can do all of this with raw CSS. It's something called a media directive. You basically say at media and you tell it what pixel sizes you want these CSS rules to apply to. So you basically say, here are the CSS rules for all screens between this size and this size. And here are the CSS rules for all screens between this size and this size. And it's the media tag you use, which I haven't taught you about in raw raw CSS. And the reason I haven't told you about it in raw CSS is because you're never going to do it in raw CSS because it's a pain in the backside and everyone just uses Bootstrap. Well, but if you're using a theme that's not Bootstrap enabled, which is 99% of the themes, you would need to know how to do that. But the theme would need to know how to do that. Right? Your Your theme is responsive. But you don't. You, that doesn't affect how you okay. do things. Okay, and if I were to write my own theme, I would use Bootstrap. I see where you're going. Yeah. Okay. Um, shoot, I had a question. Uh, oh, it, it does surprise me that this model, the, the sizes seem really small. Like I was saying, I mean, I know I have a 15-inch monitor, but my, my resolution is 1680. So I'm way, 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 way bigger than large desktop. Right, but would you need a completely different layout between your between that and any other, you know, average size laptop? No, but I'm saying it's already like thirty percent bigger than the biggest than the edge of that. It just seems like, and it's not a desktop at all. It's a laptop. It just seems like the numbers they chose are are oddly small. Right, because once you get bigger than 1,200 pixels, I don't think you need any more. I think at that stage, whatever layout works is going to work. And also what you're into at that stage is you're very unlikely to be viewing stuff at full screen, right? When you have a 27-inch iMac, how often is Safari at full width? Yeah, but I'm not saying on a 27-inch iMac. I'm saying on a laptop. Okay, if I have more than 1,200 pixels, I'm not having full width windows anymore because that's just wasteful of my screen space. And how... Right, and it's based on how the viewport. A, how big is a uh, is a tablet too? I mean, seven sixty eight for tablets. That sounds really okay. But remember really that small. Okay, but within Safari, it's not using the actual pixels. It's um, because you have these Retina displays. It's actually using four pixels as one pixel. So the pixel size Safari mobile Safari reports is four times smaller, or half in every direction of what it actually uh, is in real physical pixels. Oh, uh, okay. Right, because okay. it's retina quality. So each pixel is four pixels. Okay. So, I mean, as you're browsing the internet, it's pretty much all done in Bootstrap, and it's pretty much all done using these these five classes, and the internet works. 
Yeah, well, I, is I, full I of don't think that's a true statement that most of it's done in Bootstrap. Bootstrap is is the ver- is the fastest growing library in uh, on the web, but it's not anywhere near prevalent yet. From nah. remember the statistics we we looked up last right, time. But that was, that, 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 I see it pretty much everywhere, and if it isn't Bootstrap, then it's very very similar, and it's based off extremely similar numbers. It's like these. I'm I'm saying the facts here. We we looked at we looked it up. Remember, we looked. Okay, at the, but uh, this stuff works, right? This is. Oh, I'm not saying it doesn't, but I don't know how often I'm actually running into it. I keep an eye out for these things, and you're running in for it all the time. Like you know, uh, maybe it's just me, but I I sort of tend to pick the edges of my Safari windows and sluice them in and out and see how stuff changes. Well, but you can have responsive design that's not Bootstrap. Right, but so even are, are the ones you... that are not bootstrapped, the numbers they choose are very similar. Oh, sure. Oh, sure, sure. Okay, okay. You were you were saying it's responsive design is everywhere. Yes, I will agree with that. It was bootstrap. I don't agree is everywhere yet. It's very popular. Anyway, mm. that's neither here nor there. Okay. Um, but what I'm also, what I was actually trying to say, which I was doing very poorly at, is that the the, the approximate ranges bootstrap uses are not unique to bootstrap. They're sort of they're common. Even with people who don't use Bootstrap, even though but very similar choices in terms ah, okay. of where the breakpoints go, that makes sense. So yeah, so basically, they're all all the different libraries are very similar to each other in the choice of those breakpoints. And they all look way better than my website, which doesn't break. <laughs> well, it does break, but in the wrong sense of the word break. <laughs> it's so anyway. fun for me to make fun of your website since you do it all the time now. Oh, it completely deserves it. I mean, it would, <laughs> look, it was a really nice layout. When I wrote it, is there a copyright year on the bottom? 2007. It was a great website 11 years ago. In fact, 11 years ago, I was very proud of that theme, and I would argue rightly so. But 2007 and 2018 are quite different places. Yeah. Okay. So we're not quite done teaching you new stuff today. So I think this is pretty darn cool already. Right? We, we, I think this is really fun. Um, yeah. But I'm going to do one more very important thing before we wrap up today. So I told you in one of the guidelines that you should write your markup to be semantically sensible because how it looks on screen is independent of the order you put stuff into your markup. Well, how's about I put some wood behind that arrow and actually tell you how to do that? So let's do another worked example. A very, very common structure for a page is a full width header, then a left sidebar, a content region, a right sidebar, and then underneath that, a full-width footer. Right? That is a, a very common page structure, I think you would agree. Used to be. Sidebars well, are, are not de rigueur anymore. That's old school. They have sidebars. <laughs> well, okay, but it's, it's still, you still see a lot of it, right? It's a common design pattern. Uh-huh. Uh, as you will see the code in the show notes. This is our starting point again. So 58C. Where, where are we now? 58C? Okay. Yeah. And we will manually transform it into 58D. So we have a starting point that will be quite common, and this is a not responsive starting point, right? So it's basically uh, a one container containing a row which contains one column, which is just call, so for, you know one one auto with column, and then another row which contains three calls, but they're each just class call. So again, they're just equally dividing into three, and then a footer which is one a row with one column of class call. So mm-hmm. everything is just auto-width, implicit, excess. 
Right. So not responsive in any way. Same on all screen sizes. It's also not semantically particularly correct because if I was viewing this in the Lynx browser, I would have page header followed by the glop in the sidebar and then the actual content of my page and then some more glop and then my footer. And that's not actually very sensible at all. Uh, but anyway, let's let's start by being mobile friendly first because that's what the other guideline said. So let's just make all those calls into call dash twelve like we did last time. And so now we have our three, or sorry, we have five vert- vertically stacked rows, and it's header followed by sidebar followed by main content followed by sidebar followed by footer stacked one on top of the other. And now it looks even more stupid that the markup is in the wrong <laughs> order because now we're visually in the wrong order too. Um. So you don't read left to right? Okay, but this left sidebar is full of like stupid navigation and stuff. So my main content is now off the bottom of the page. If I was a news site, all of my my head, my clickbait is now off the screen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's not good. Then you're not going to click. You're not going to make right. a fortune. So, you know, the glop in the sidebar is, pr- I hope my sidebar is less important than my content. Otherwise, I'm doing it wrong. Right, right. So we have some work to do here. Um, let me see. What do I do in my show notes first? Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, so in order to but the main content should come before the sidebar. So let's fix that by moving the left sidebar from before the main content to after it in the source code. So basically, you pick up the div and you put it after the main. And now um, it'll look. Hang on. You pick up the div and put it after the main. Which so div? line eight. Uh, Line 8 needs to come after the main that starts on line 11. So basically, the second row should be main div div instead of div So main, div. you've done something different. Line 8 is the, uh, the Sorry, line eight style the sheet. Snippet. For... Line 8 in the snippet, not line 8 in the raw code. Sorry. Okay, I don't know. Uh, okay, I'll open up the raw code. Yeah, I'm not sure which which version of the code I'm looking at. So the PBS... one above it or the one below it? Okay, so PBS 58C... That's the div that starts on line 20 so needs that's... to come after the main that originally starts on line 23. All right, let's describe it. You're saying take the take the left sidebar div and put it after the main page content div. Which is actually a main if you look at the code. Sorry. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to take my left sidebar out and I'm going to plop it after the main. Okay. Yeah. And so now it looks fine. Because we have our call 12, so it's now behaving very sensibly on our tiny little screens. Great. So my clickbait is working. I'm making money again. Huzzah. Uh, but now we need to start making this behave properly on larger screens. Because, okay, mobile first. Tick. Mark up in the right order. Tick. Now we have to make it look right on tablets and desktops. So let's, let's move on to do that then. So if I can find my show notes again, because I don't have enough windows open. Uh, So I'm going to only do this for three sizes. So MD, and then we'll do an XL at the end. So on our medium-sized devices, obviously I want my sidebars to be smaller than my main content region, right? So I'm going to give both of my sidebars call MD3, which then leaves six for the main content area. Okay. And when you do that, you get main content, sidebar, sidebar. Though the right mm-hmm. width, if you say MD, so yeah, call dash MD I'm working, dash. I'm working on it. Just give me a second. Give me a sec. Uh, so this is when I'm on a small width. Which width is that supposed to have done something? Uh, MD is for medium. 
So on small, it should still be all stacked vertically. Uh, you're supposed to put a dash between MD and 3, aren't you? Ideally speaking. <laughs> okay, so I am seeing uh, my left sidebar and right sidebar are still below my mage co- main content, and they're taking up mm, half of the screen? Okay, so why Was I is supposed main... to add it to something? Was I supposed to do an MD to one of the other ones? Uh, I didn't think that would be needed because the other ones... Oh no, the the main content is still a twelve, isn't it? So yes, you should yeah. have. A, sorry, you should have a call dash md dash six on the middle one. My apologies. There you go. Okay, there we go. So now the main page contents on the left, and my two sidebars are over on the right, which makes no sense to me. Exactly. So they're the right width, but they're in the wrong order. Right. Right. So we need to take control of this. So there is another concept that I haven't told you about yet. So in a bootstrap grid, every column has a property which is referred to in the documentation as an order. And the default order for every column is zero. So we Hmm. haven't done anything. So everything is order zero for us. Okay. And the way bootstrap lays out columns is the first... The highest orders go on the right and the lower orders go on the left. And if everything has, if multiple things have the same order, they go in the, in the sequence they appear in the source code. So the order property has, is more important than the order of the source code. But in our case, everything is order zero, so the source code is winning. Does that make sense? Um, let me say it the opposite of the way you said it, because it made more sense to me as I was interpreting what you said, is that, uh, well, you said that the order in the HTML in the code, uh, is the order it'll be spit out in, unless you tell it, you override that with an order and a lower number will be on the left and a higher number will be on the right. That is another way of saying it. Sure. You said it right to left and my brain wants to go left to right because of being... Okay. The, the okay. So the point is, the, okay. if you give something an explicit order value, uh-huh. then the order value is more important than the, specificity. the sequencing of the source code. But right. if two okay. things have the same order value, then the way the tie is broken is by whichever one comes first in the source code. Yeah. And so by that default, everything has an order value of zero. So the only thing that matters is the order of the source code because everything ah. has the same explicit order. Okay. So right now we're living in default land. Now the classes for applying an order are very sensibly named. Order dash breakpoint dash value. And if you leave out the breakpoint, it's an implicit excess. So order dash one will always be order one at every breakpoint. Order dash md dash one would be order for medium. You get the idea. So what we would like to do is that when we get up to our medium size, we want to change the order. So we can give explicit classes to each. So there exist order dash 1 to 12. And there also exist two really handy shortcuts. Order dash whatever breakpoint dash first, which actually has a value of minus 1, so it always wins. (laughs) And order dash whatever breakpoint dash last, which has a value of 13. So it always wins. <laughs> okay, this is from the man who was complaining about double zero sizes. <laughs> yeah, I know. You can order into the minus one and the 13. Right, right. Okay. But what that That's means fine. is all we have to do to make everything work is to give our left sidebar the class order-md-first. So if I gave it order-md-1, shouldn't it be on the left? 
Or dash md dash one. No, because one is greater than zero, so the two zeros would come first and then the one oh. would come after it. Okay, I see, I see. So once you start giving it a number, if you don't say first or last, you have to give everything a number in order yes. to get it right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Which is why first and last are so handy. So in this case, we just give the left sidebar order dash, order dash md dash first. It just jumps right across. Done. It sure did. Yeah. Okay. And so now what we have is what meets our guidelines. The source code is still in the order that makes sense for a search engine optimization and for assistive devices and for a world without CSS. So for those people on Linux who like to browse the web text only. Links, not Linux. Well, most Linux users are on Linux. Oh, okay. But it runs on the Mac. It does run on the Mac, which is a Unix, which is not a Linux, which is technically you're entirely correct. <laughs> I downloaded it while we were talking. That's how we know that. <laughs> <laughs> that is so wonderfully nerdy. Have another gold star. <laughs> All right, good. Okay, so I've got order dash, MD dash first on my left sidebar, and it's happily on the left. And I don't need to mess around with the main and the right and the footer because they're in the correct order just because of the order they are in the HTML. Exactly. So the rest can just stay at implicit order zero. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I have a feeling I'm not going to remember this one. This seems counterintuitive to me. I mean, I understand it, but it feels like something I'm going to later go, what? If you remember that it exists, then all you have to do is go read the fine manual. <laughs> right, right. So to, to me, that's always the takeaway from these lessons is learn what's possible because then you just go off to getbootstrap.com scroll to the relevant bit of the documentation and read again. That's what I do all the time. I never remember this stuff. I never remember any of these things. I just remember where to go search and what to go search for, and then I get the answer that way. Okay, okay. So how do you decide what it should be? Like you say the semantic order that it should be. That would be called the judgment call, which is why I said guideline, not rule. Okay. And that would be the kind of thing we could argue about until the cows come home. So do what makes sense to you in your code. Well, but you had more uh, than just an aesthetic eye kind of thing when you were saying that the main page content should be first. That makes sense in from search engine and from getting your, your clickbaity at the top, right? right? So I'm thinking of it in terms of if I was looking at this... In a, if if I was scrolling this on my mobile device, what would I as the... If I was trying to write a website to be friendly to my users instead of hostile to my users, which is a novelty in the modern internet, but let's say I was trying to be friendly to my users, what would I want them... How would I want someone to experience my site if I was being friendly to them? And that's well, the and order i actually, in a way, in. You, could, you could make it nefarious. You could say, if I want to manipulate my users into seeing what I want them to see first, this is this yeah. is how I would do it. That is that is also a true statement, and indeed, that's how a lot of these tools do, in fact, get used here on planet Earth. But over in my utopia, it's about making it better for the user. <laughs> well, but I'm sure what's better for the user is that they get to my clickbaity uh, content, right? Yes, I'm sure someone makes that argument to themselves to help them sleep at night. Actually, usually the content is fine. It's the title that's the problem. <laughs> well, that too. So we're going to leave it here for today. But I'm just going to give you a little sneak, sort of, we'll zoom out a bit and we'll take in the big picture, uh, just so we understand where we are. So, remember that Bootstrap has sort of four legs to its stool. We have the Bootstrap utilities, and we had a first look at those to start with. And then we have what Bootstrap calls content, and we both think is a terrible name, but it's basically the Bootstrap classes for existing 
HTML elements, like paragraphs and headings and things like that, and block quotes and figures and tables and all that stuff that exists as part of HTML. And now we're learning about layout. And we're about three quarters of the way... Well, no, we're, we've sort of... We're done with layout. But we actually need to do a little bit of a recycle... A little bit of a cycle backwards. But I'll get to that in a moment. And then the final leg of the stool is what Bootstrap calls components, which are things that are really common to want on a web page, but are not actually provided by a native HTML tag. So there is no HTML tag to have a carousel. But an awful lot of websites have carousels. So it's a sort of a reusable component that isn't an existing HTML tag. Okay. So That'll be fun. Yeah. So we're done with layout. Why do we need to cycle back to utilities and content? Well, the answer is because breakpoints don't only exist in the grid. They're very, very important to make the grid work responsively. But I actually skipped over some stuff in utilities and some stuff Mm. in content because they have support for breakpoints too. So take, for example, our giant big display header. That doesn't behave, that doesn't make sense to have a giant big display header on a phone. Right. So we actually need to be able to tell our page that if you're on a phone, just make this a normal H1, please. But once you're on something at least MD or bigger, make it into one of these giant display headings. So we need to have Mm. some sort of breakpoint-aware stuff for our headings. And we're going to want breakpoint-aware stuff. Maybe we want to float a figure right some of the time and have it be full width other times. Uh So there is breakpoint support in many of the things we have already met. I just haven't told you about the breakpoint support. So in the next installment, we're going to go back and learn there's not breakpoint support in everything, but there is in a lot of things. And so we just need to go back and look at the things where it does exist. And then we'll be ready to move into the last of the four legs of the stool. Uh Uh-oh. I don't want this Uh part to be over. I'm having fun. Oh, okay. That last leg, they're not, it's a very wonky stool. That last <laughs> leg is very big. Let's say it's very thick. The stool okay, doesn't fall okay. over, but it's a very, very substantial leg. We have, we have a lot more fun stuff to learn. A lot more. Excellent. Excellent. Well, this has been oh. fun. I know I argued with you a lot, but it was so I could learn more. That's good. And also, I have a challenge for you. It's very, very short. I think it's, I've never written one that fits into one sentence before. Update your recipe. So its markup is semantically sensible and so its layout works at all five breakpoints. Mm. So you mean we have to put in something for all five different sizes? No, no. It has to look okay at all sizes. Whether that means you put stuff in at two breakpoints and that works. Mm. Okay. So basically, as you resize the window, it should never look silly. And if that means you need to have three layouts, then you have three. If that means you need to have two, you have two. But the the, the problem to be solved is it should never look silly. <laughs> unless silly is what you want. All right. That sounds fun. Excellent. Okay. Well, my voice is finally is beginning to crack again today because while my cold is better than it was yesterday, it's not quite, I'm not quite over it, but that's good. I have now finished my podcasting duties for another week. All right. Great. Well, this was fun and we'll uh, talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Talk to you again then, and uh, until then, ooh, that's that's very clumsy phrasing on my behalf. You'd think I'd be good at this by now. How often do I <laughs> sign off on this show? But no, I still can't do a segue. Anyway, until next time, whenever that is, happy computing. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. 
He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to letstashtalk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.